Genesis 37, verse number 3, the Bible said, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now jump over to verse number 13. Well, let's look in verse 12. And his brethren, speaking of Joseph, his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. I have pondered that because of the... uh, the ill treatment of his brothers, the jealousy, the meanness. This would have probably been a pretty good time for Joseph to have disagreed with his father and said, now just hold it a minute, Dad. First of all, that's several miles down there. And my brothers pick on me all the time, do things that you don't know nothing about. And I really don't, uh, I don't want to go down there. I really, matter of fact, I'm not going down there. But notice what he said. And he said unto him, three words, here am I. And he said to him, go, I pray thee, and see whether it is well with thy brethren, well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem, and a certain man found him there, and behold, he is wandering in the field, The man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. The man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. Now let's uh, turn on over, if you will, to chapter number 41. And uh, I want to look at verse number... Before we do that, excuse me, go back to chapter number 39. I'm reading these texts that deal with uh, Joseph's submission. Uh, The thought that I have tonight, the great truth that delivered Joseph of those others that I've mentioned, those that sustained him and strengthened him. Tonight is the thought of obedience. The thought of obedience. These texts all lend themselves to his his submission. Notice now in chapter number 39, he's in Egypt. And the Bible said, And Joseph, verse 1, was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. He is a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and, notice this next phrase, he served him. He served him. Now I want to scoot over to chapter number 41. And we'll look in verse number 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, 
For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be ruler over my house. And according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in throne will I be greater than thee. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bowed the knee. And he made him ruler over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. I'm interested tonight for a few moments in this subject of obedience, obeying the Lord. The scripture is filled with this truth. The Bible said, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The scripture tells us concerning children that they are to obey, Paul said. They are to obey their parents in the Lord for this is well-pleasing. Jesus himself, the Bible said, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience. If you are a child of God, if you are a son of God, truth of the matter is in that relationship there is the order of submission and obedience to the voice of God. And I want us to point out simply four thoughts about this, this saving factor of obedience. If we went all the way back to chapter number 37, Joseph's, 13, or Joseph's 17 years old, had he looked his father in the face and said, oh no, I won't do that, it would have changed everything about the workings of God. And we may not realize tonight how important it is to submit ourselves and to be obedient and subjective to the authorities that God has placed over us because there is, as is evident in Joseph's life, there is a great saving factor to it. And as a matter of fact, Jesus came into this world. He said, not to do my will, but I came to do the will of the Father. And because the Son wanted to do and was obedient to the Father, Look at what a great salvation came out of that. And honey, if any God's going to do any saving for you, if God's going to do any saving in you, and if God's going to do any saving through you, He's going to do it through submission and through obedience. Evident in Joseph's life, true for your life. Let us be somber and let us think about it tonight. And true even in the life of Christ. Four simple things that I want to say to you about this matter of obedience. First of all, I want to suggest to you from Joseph's life that 
that obedience, obedience identifies our relationship. There is an identifying of our relationship, let me say it that way, in obedience. If we go back to chapter number 37, it keeps referring to Joseph's father. It talks about uh, his, his dad and how he made the coat for him of many colors and so on and so forth. And then it was his father who commanded him to go check on the brethren. That was one relationship that he had that, that demanded obedience. It was a relationship of sonship. Uh, he was his father, so as God would have it, he is to obey his father And thank God he does obey his father. He's identified in the relationship with his father through this simple obedience. The fact that it is his dad that says to him, you go, and his sole reply is, here am I. I had uh, one of my granddaughters come into the room we were in a few weeks back came up to one of my other granddaughters in the same family and said, you need to do this, this, and this. And uh, the one granddaughter looked at her real stern and said, did Mama say that? And she said, yes, Mama said it. And immediately she reacted. But the reason why she reacted was because there was a birthing relationship. Uh, Her mother that birthed her into this world it gave her mother the right to tell her what to do. So it is in our physical relationships. Uh, Your mother and your father, and I say to these children, the fact that you have been born into that family and uh, the identity is revealed in that no one else is commanding you, but they have the right to command you. And my children, when they were small around the house. Uh, We didn't put up much with talking back. As a matter of fact, I never did talk back. I couldn't imagine talking back to my father. My dad didn't know nothing about Dr. Spock. He knew nothing about the uh, psychology of child rearing. To me, time out was how long I was unconscious. And when I came to, I didn't want time out no more. I guarantee you that. And uh, the old-timers just didn't put up with it. They told you once, and you're supposed to hop. Here it is with Joseph. He's being told once. Evidently, his father had some authority in his life. And uh, he responds to that authority, which reveals that, that, uh, that, that lets me know that the whole reason that he goes down there is because he has a daddy. He's got a father. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want to operate in this world like I'm an orphan. But I want folks to know that the reason why I do what I do is because I've got a relationship. I have been born of the Spirit with life from above. I've been birthed into the family of God. And so therefore I listen to, as Jesus did, I listen to my heavenly Father. But aren't you glad you got a Father? who will speak to you 
And that's what makes the difference. That's what identifies you is this relationship. It lets everybody else know that the whole reason you're doing and living like you're living is because there must be a heavenly father. You're not getting those kind of commands out of this world. It must be coming from another world. It's coming from the father, the voice of the family. It identifies you as far as your relationship is concerned in this matter of sonship. But not only in this matter of sonship, when we get to chapter number 39, it's in the matter of ownership. He has been bought and he has been purchased. Now, if you can apply that, I won't have to preach half as long or hard. That the reason why we are to obey, I'm going to tell you in the spiritual realm, is thank God we have been birthed and we have been bought. And the Bible said, ye are not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. I tell you, when I got saved, I turned the reins of my life over to the one who bought and purchased me that paid the price of my redemption. And I notice here that Joseph's not playing games while he's down in Egypt. He's not fighting the system. He's not bucking and kicking, but he is obeying. And the Bible said, and he served him. Served who? The one that bought him the one that purchased him, the one that paid the price. By the way, that's the reason why I still salute that old flag because, honey, there's some folks that paid the price so I could be here tonight and I could be free to preach to you and I'm gonna keep on saluting that flag. I've been bought and paid for. And how do you know I've been bought and paid for? Because I want to submit myself as a servant to the one who bought me and paid for me. I belong to him, hallelujah. Romans 5 verse 19, uh, or Romans 6 verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are ye to whom ye obey. I'm going to tell you, you can talk it all you want to talk it, but if you ain't bowing and bending and obeying, ain't nobody believing it. The reason that folks know that you've got a relationship with heaven, that you have a heavenly father, that you have been bought and purchased and born, I tell you into the family of God, I say again, is because of obedience. Obedience says everything in our lives. You say, I don't have to do that. I'm not going to. Oh, listen. It lets us know one thing. Evidently, the relationship ain't what it ought to be. sonship ownership and then when we get to chapter number uh, 41 it moves into the realm of lordship the king the big king has called him up 
and has commissioned him and has empowered him. And he says, everything, I've given you the power second only to me. Have you realized what all God, the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus has invested in you and in me when he saved us? And thank God the only one that we have to bend the knee to and bow to in worship is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And of course you know this. But it won't hurt to say it again. When you got saved, he not only became your Savior, but he became your Lord. And we need to desire his direction for every step we take and everything we do. Everything we do. Because that obedience reveals that we have a relationship with a Father. We have a relationship with a Lord. We have a relationship with the one that bought us and the one who birthed us. Hallelujah! (laughs) I don't mind it because I can point and say, That's my Heavenly Father. That's my Lord and Savior. That's the reason why I bow the knee and I obey him. As Peter said to those in his day, should we obey God or man? We obey God. Because we've got, we've got a heavenly divine relationship going on. That we didn't initiate, he did. But hallelujah, I'm glad I'm a part of it, aren't you? I'm glad, as the songwriter said in this relationship, the songwriter said, now I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me. Woo! Obedience. Obedience. Out of identifies... Your relationship. But the second thing that I want to say to you is this matter of obedience in Joseph's life, in your life, and in my life simplifies your responsibility. It simplifies the responsibilities of obedience. You know, we try to make the Christian life more complex than what it is. More difficult than what it is. The truth of the matter is, is all that our Heavenly Father wants is a yes out of us. Or as in Joseph's case, uh, here am I. And he wants us to simply do all he's asking of us, simply do what he said for us to do. We've got one function in life, one function. One responsibility, it ain't too difficult. And that's to listen for his voice. And once he speaks, we just follow the orders. And that takes all the stress out of it. It ain't half as difficult as we make it out to be if we would just obey. Had a preacher tell me that he 
He used to coach Little League Baseball. And he said um, he was the third base coach. And, of course, they trained them boys that once they hit that ball to the first base coach would motion on what they're supposed to do. And they round second. They look at that third base coach. He'd give a sign. To, I don't know what the signs are, but you stop, you stop. Or if he's waving you on, you just keep on coming. He said, man, we was in a tight game. Said the score uh, was uh, tied and, and said uh, we were up, if we was to score again, uh, we would be the last at bat, we'd win the game. And said that old boy, I'm going to tell you, young boy, said he hit that ball and went right out in center field. And said he started running, done well. Said he hit first and made the turn instead of running around. And, and said while he's running towards second, he got to looking at that ball. And he got to slowing down. And then he touched second and he slowed down a little more watching that ball. And he said, I was a hauling at him all the time saying, run, boy, run. Said he had plenty of time to make it all the way to haul. And he said he froze up on third with me trying to wave him on and wouldn't move another step. He stopped there and said we didn't score and they got the bat again. They won the game. So he said, I took that boy aside and said, son, next time keep your eye off the ball. You don't worry about that ball after you hit it. You keep your eye on me. And if I tell you to run and you get out, it'll be my fault and it won't be your fault. I said, oh, what an illustration that is, honey. Keep your eyes and ears toward heaven. Listen to his word and what he says to you. And I guarantee you he'll take care of you running the bases and thank God he'll bring you all the way home to the house. You can't go wrong obeying. It's the only thing you got to do. Now, this is not just for young people, but I want to make special application here. And, but it's for all of us. I mean, we have to obey throughout our whole life. Not only on the spiritual level, but we need to obey the laws of the land. And uh, there are those, those, uh, those spiritual, uh, uh, as, as far as the function of the church and things of that nature, God puts people and, and so forth in our lives that, that we need to be willing to submit ourselves. I'm going to tell you something. If you had a boy up here tonight, 16 years old, 15 years old, 12 years old to preach, and God gave him a word, everybody in this congregation ought to submit to the word that God sends through him and say, Lord, if you're trying to say something to me through that 12-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, I want to hear and I want to obey. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, he said, honey. And I'm going to tell you, as I cross this country, I don't just go to say something. When I'm shaking hands with folks as they leave this building, I can't tell you how many times they just said a word to me about something God said to them, and they didn't know what it was doing. And the Holy Ghost had stopped me right there and said, did you hear that? I'm talking to you. And it may have been a little old saint, an elderly lady, or a man, or a middle old boy, a little girl, honey. We need to tune our hearts toward heaven and listen and obey. But you know, I was thinking about being raised in the Father's house. And uh, I say, you young men, you can be sitting on the couch eating your cookies and drinking milk and enjoying the cartoons or old westerns, shoot them up. 
And, uh, and uh, Dad walked through the living room and said, Now, Johnny, you need to carry the trash out. Need to carry the trash out. Now, if you want to make it difficult on yourself and on the family, just wallow around and say, Well, I'll tell you what, Billy, didn't, he, I carried it out yesterday and he didn't carry it out. He don't care about that. He told you to carry it out. Get up and go carry it out. You're just making it rough. Get up, carry the trash out. How long is that going to take? Come back in, sit down, get your cooking, dip it in the milk, eat it, and watch it shoot them out. And then you get to go to bed free that night. Cover up. If you need air, it's on. If you got heat, it's on. Got a good breakfast to wait for the next morning. Mama's ironing and washing your clothes. It's all free. And all you got to do is what you're told to do. Honey, you need to wash them dishes in there. The meal. Well, Mom, I don't tell you. I don't have. I, I got other things I need. I was going to call Freddie. I didn't have time for washing dishes. And now look what a mess you're in. I always tell my grandchildren. I said, if you want to put, uh, if you want to put money in the bank, so to speak, as far as respectability in the family, you be obedient, honey, and I, and, and that's going to help you more than anything else. You jump when they say jump, you do it. They don't want to hear any of the excuses. And by the way, hey saints, God ain't interested in our excuses. When He says do it, just do it. I ain't saying to you I've always done it. I'm going to tell you, when the Lord called me into evangelism, I fought him for two years. He liked to kill me. Till I throwed, he wouldn't listen to a word I had to say. I mean, I was reasonable about the matter. I said, I can't leave this church. It'll fold. I said, secondly, which it didn't. And I said, uh, secondly, I can't leave this church because I got three youngins in college. What am I going to do? He wouldn't listen to nothing I had to say. But he didn't want to hear what I had to say. He wasn't interested in what I had to say. He was the one that's doing the saying. Huh? That keeps it simple. Little old boy back there in the depression was walking through town. His daddy sort of sick and couldn't work. Didn't have no money much. And uh, he saw a sign up. He was looking for a job, maybe about 10 years old, and help wanted opening. So he went in there, job hard to find during the depression. He said, Mr., I saw the sign out here, uh, job opening. He said, I, I want that job. He said, well, son, this is a grocery store. What do you know about a grocery store? He said, well, nothing really. He said, well, I want to see if you're qualified at least. He said, uh, do you know anything about uh, stocking the shelves? You ever stocked shelves of any? No, sir, I hadn't. He said, you ever run a cash register? He said, no, sir, I hadn't. Have you wor ever worked with people in business? He said, no, sir, I haven't. He said, well, what can you do that would cause me to hire you? He said, I can do Whatever I'm told. He said, you're hired. 
The last thing you want to do is hire a know-it-all anyway. You want to hear, hire somebody that's going to listen to everything that needs to be said. And I'm going to tell you, in this divine relationship that we have with God, there is a responsibility. And we, while we are in, identified with this relationship, thank God I want you to know there is the simplicity of our responsibility. Just do what you're told. Matter of fact, that's where salvation begins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And honey, ne- nothing ever will be settled between a man's heart in heaven I, or a woman's heart in heaven I don't, or a child's heart in heaven, anybody's heart in heaven until they have obeyed that initial command. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The third thing that I want to say to you, it not only identifies you, shows your relationship, it not only simplifies you, shows your responsibility, but in a sense, this matter of obedience has a way of magnifying you. It has a way of lifting you up. You say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about again, again in uh, chapter number 41. We notice up until chapter 41 all the way through that Joseph is the one that's doing the obey. He's obeying all of the authorities in his life because he wants to be obedient to God's will for his life. So what he does is he spends all of those years, some 13 years, in submission and obedience, listening to the voices of others and following out those commands, whatever they were. But as it always happens for the child of God, there comes the flip side of that. There comes that day in which because you have followed orders, God will give you the authority to give orders. And how blessed that is. But understand, if you won't follow, God will never let you lead. If you will not obey, then you will never be obeyed to the fullest sense. And this I would say to us as parents. Now, I'm not, under, I'm not saying that just because you've done right that your children are always going to do right. We know that that don't always iron out. Some of them get turned into knotheads or something. But I want to tell you this much. If you have determined that you're going to live in disobedience, do not expect except by some miracle your children are going to live in obedience. Oh, you say, well, all that stuff ain't for me. I'm the big man of the house and I'm not going to get it. Ain't nobody. I had a man tell me this. Very stout, strong man. He said, preacher, I made this statement so often. As a young man, ain't no man going to tell me what to do. 
but he got saved and not long after he said I got saved, he said I was having to deal with my daughter and her rebellion and said she stood toe to toe with me and looked me in the face and she said, Dad, they ain't no man going to tell me what to do. He said, I knew that's where that came from. My disobedience had bred disobedience. And I'll tell you, she, had, uh, she was not going to listen to somebody who wouldn't listen. And she wasn't going to follow somebody who wouldn't follow. She wasn't going to obey somebody that wouldn't obey. And I say to you, but what this thing will do in the matter of obedience is God will raise you up. Because he needs some voices. He needs some authorities in this world. He needs somebody that can speak speak his truth. He needs somebody that can minister. And what he will do, if you come through the rank and file, if you let him bring you up from the bottom, if you let him through obedience and folks watch you as you obey young people, kind of like Samuel, when the Lord spoke on three occasions, found out was the voice of the Lord, he said, here am I. And there came the day when Israel only had one voice and that was the voice of Samuel. God took that little boy who was obedient and raised him up and gave him authority. And here's the test, and it may be hard. If you're talking and nobody's listening, it's because you didn't listen when somebody was talking. Huh? <laughs> Boys, that's money in the bank right there. Listen when somebody's talking. And the day's going to come, the day's going to come when they're going to come to you and say, you know, I was, I was wondering what you was th- you'd think about this. I'm having this. T-. And, and, and they will come to you for advice. Why? Not because you figured out life. Not because you've been the one that's champion. Not because you've been the strong and powerful one. But because you've been the obedient one. You've been the submissive one. You've been the surrendered one. You've been the one that's been willing to get down and serve. And God has raised you up and given you a voice that others have ears for. That's why we don't listen I can't phrase it like I want to in church. Meet me after church. That's why nobody listens to anything that comes out of Washington. Because there ain't anybody there that's bowing to the authority of God or any other authority. They want to run everything. And they're running it in the ground. I think you ought to throw them all out. Vote them all out. Get rid of all of them. Vote somebody in and say, well, I don't know nothing about none of it, but I'm listening to the Lord and doing the best I can. Whatever he tells me, that's what I'll do. Woo! Put him in there. I'll vote for him. Said he can't read and write. I don't care. Put him in. I'll vote for him. (laughs) Simply because... He obeyed. This was true about Jesus. Notice his influence, the respect, the the relationship of obedience, the responsibility of obedience, but the respect of obedience. He said, look at Hebrews 5, 8, talking about Jesus. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obeyed him. 
<laughs> Jesus started out in obedience, and that's why all them that obey him, look, look, look at the host of those who are marching into heaven because they're following somebody that obeyed. Now let me just, uh, it ties in right with that, but I want to expand it a little bit. And I want to talk about the, this truth of obedience that amplifies in Joseph's life his reach. It amplifies. Obedience determined the boundaries of his life. Think about that. Obedience in everything that was accomplished because he was obedient. He gets to see his father again. Now understand here, understand here, I don't want to lose connection with this thought, but I'm not saying to you that it's going to be a bed of roses if you obey. If you've got to carry the trash out and it's snowing, it's going to be cold, it's just going to be cold. I've got nothing else to say. Say, well, if I obey my dad and go outside, will the sun start shining? No, it's still going to be snowing. But there will be some rewards coming out of obedience. And uh, to obey is better than sacrifice, the Bible said. And uh, this matter of obedience is not, it's not that it is easy. It's not been meant to be easy. Now think about Joseph. The one thing that got him in all that trouble. <laughs> think about it. Look at the mess that Joseph's been in all them years. I mean, when you look at it from the outside in, don't that look like a big jumbled up mess? He's in a pit. His coat's tore off his back. He's being sold. He's being bought. He's being sold again. He ends up in prison. Somebody said, Joseph, what in the world got you in all that mess? He said, one answer, obedience. I'd like to interview him. I'd say, hey, Joe, what, what are you doing down in this pit? Suppose me and him's down there. You were down there in this pit. No, what, what, what in the world got you down there in this pit? And I could hear him with tears broken. He said, I don't know. I was just coming through the house the other day, and Daddy said, go down and check on the boys, and I did, and now I've ended up in this dark hole. And then I interview him while he's with the Ishmaelites. He's being carried off down into Egypt. I said, Joseph, how in the world did you get with these Ishmaelites? Where are you going? He said, I don't know, but all I know is I was coming through the house the other day and, and Daddy said, I want you to go down there. And I, and I said, here am I. This is where I'm at. And then I see him down there on the slave block. He's being... He's being bartered and bargained and sold. And I say to Joseph, why in the world are you here in, in this uh, arena being sold like this? He said, well, I don't know the fullness of it, but it all started one day. I, I come through the house and Daddy said, and I said, here by. And then I see him in prison. And I said, Joseph, how in the world did you end up in jail? He said, well, the only thing I can tell you is I was coming through the house. It all started several years ago. I come through the house and Daddy said, go. And, and I went and now here I am. But I don't want to leave it there. I see him with that chariot 
second to the king of Egypt. I see the gold ring and the authority on his hand. I see him, I'll tell you, as the second most powerful man in the world. I see him in all of his royalty. And I run up and I said, Joseph, I want to do one last interview. How in the world did you get this position? How in the world did you get all this authority? How in the world did you accomplish all this? He said, I don't know. All I know is it started way back there. As I was coming through the living room one day, and my daddy said, go, and I said, here am I. And I've been saying, here am I every step of the way. And I'll tell you, it was the here am I that brought me to where I am with my reach and my authority and my expanse. I never realized I'd have the influence and the respect that I've got on this day, but it all came out of a simple obedience. God will let you touch many hearts and many lives and solve many a problem for many people. God will allow you to minister if first of all you will obey. Have you ever thought about the power of obedience and its reach? And yet the power of disobedience and its reach? You can only choose one or the other. There's no in between. It's either obey or it's disobey. Now think about it. The power and the reach of obedience and the power and the reach disobedience this old world needs somebody that's got a voice from heaven but they got that voice because they obey and God allows them to use it Romans 5 19 let me say this before I read it I'm down near the close did you know that the devil had only one door into this matter of the temptation of humanity. There's only one door. I want to tell you something. The devil's still only got one door into messing up your life. You say, what is that door? It's the door of disobedience. I don't care what it is. It's a door that'll let him in to do everything he wants to do. You say, how do you know? Romans 5, 19, For as by one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners. Look at that. One man disobeyed and look at the world in the condition it is in because of one man. The reach of disobedience. The cost of disobedience. In our families, in our communities, in our world. I thought about my own life being a Williams. Got some Williamses here. I don't think we're kin. They're too refined to be my kind of Williams. I went back in the computer, and I was, I was checking the uh, Ancestry.com, and it was worse on there, and it was what I knew for myself. I said, well, let me shut this thing down. I did. I'm talking about my set of Williamses. I tell folks, there ain't but three kinds. It's those that's got a lot of money and those that's real smart and us. So I don't know. You, but I thought about the, my set and the vice of alcohol. And I have, to, I, have to, I have to imagine, I have to think that somewhere surely back in my generation, somebody knew God. And somebody 
you know, disobedience took the lid off the bottle of alcohol and destroyed family after family after family. I buried four brothers and a dad and got a sister going the same way because somebody back there said, oh, this won't hurt. Disobedience. Oh, it won't matter. That's the expanse of disobedience. But all, if you want to turn that around, the Bible said by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. <laughs> Christ come and obeyed his father. Look at what we got now. Huh? One man's obedience. And through the generations, I'm going to tell you, that door of the devil, hey, 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 wife, don't take this thing lightly. So, well, I don't have to listen to what he has to say. Well, did you hear that door open in the, did you feel that breeze coming through? That's the door he's going to walk through. I don't care what level it's on. Disobedience is disobedience for all of us on any level. And it opens a door. All of that that came out on our Williams family because somebody is, well, I'm here to tell you, as a 14-year-old boy, when the Lord convicted my heart and I accepted him as my Savior, I obeyed. And you know what it did to this? And I know this is because of the Lord. Don't misunderstand me. But you could build a liquor store on every corner around me and it wouldn't bother me a bit. But you'd have to know my family to appreciate that statement. But as far as I know, and I'm pretty sure, I got no youngins that's drinking this and I got no grand youngins thus far. And if they start, they'll be the one that opens the lid and disobedience will come in on their family. And by Joseph's obedience, it reached out to his father. It reached out to his brothers. It eventually reached out into a nation. Look at everybody that was saved in Egypt because one man, oh, you do not know the effect it's going to have on those that are around you who are watching you. And they realize there must be a God in heaven. He must have a heavenly relationship. Look at him as he responds and his responsibilities and his functions. I want to do that also. <laughs> when you take off in obedience, I promise you inevitably somebody else is going to get behind you and they're going to say, I want to obey too. And only heaven will be able to let us know all that has come out of this matter of obedience. What a saving truth. What a saving truth. Simply, well, how's the song say it? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus.
but to trust and obey. And I realize tonight that we may not always know what His will is for our lives, but we should always want His will for our lives.